This is Bruce Riley of Voters Organized to Educate. Just letting everybody know that we've got a huge election coming up November 13th here in New Orleans. We've got city council, mayor, sheriff, clerk of courts, tax assessor, and we need everybody turning out to vote November 13th. Early voting starts October 30th. Halloween surprise, trick or treat. And we need everybody coming out, getting involved, getting knowledgeable. And if you need to know everything about these candidates, you can go to our website, votersorganized.org. back we are live here in the studio with two amazing people i am bruce aka dj bruja and i am here with the norris henderson and we've got a special surprise guest today none other than dj dangerous devin davis how's it going guys all good all good doing good doing good all right so uh we got halloween right here upon us uh norris i think you were mentioning the parade coming through new orleans i know that's a big deal you were dressed up were you no, no, I, I, um, I'm just curious. I saw the news this morning. I was reading the paper about uh, Cruzavoo Road last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's kind of like an indicator that we're having some semblance of normalcy now that, uh, you know, masses of people back into the street, which is a good sign, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, kind of like get people out of the, kind of like doll drums, the whole home, you know. People want to kind of get outside and be happy and from what I could see from the news telecast and the picture of kids dancing in the street that it seemed like it went off without a hitch, you know? All right. What about you, what about you Devin? What we got going on this weekend? Uh, not really too much. Uh, mostly trying to get ready and prepared for the rest of GOTV season. Um, wasn't able to make it out to last night, but I did hear it was really fun and was a sense of normalcy again here yeah. in the city. Yeah, I went to I, I took Kira to see Dune. That was a really good one, and it, it realized that when your eyes are so bad that you don't really enjoy 3D as much, they're probably so bad that you might accidentally buy 3D tickets, which is what I did. And I was like, "Why are these tickets like thirty five dollars? Like one adult, one child?" And then like they're like, "Your 3D glasses are over here," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so we watched it in 3D, but it's a really really <laughs> tight movie. Uh, but yeah, we're not here to talk about movies. We're not here to talk about parades. We are here to talk about an election, and we wanted to give a, a sort of in-depth election guide. I know I think we got a special guest coming in uh, in a little bit later, but one thing I was thinking about, and you know, Devin, you've been the political coordinator for Voter, Voters Organized, and uh, I kind of maybe want to start with with you in terms of like just the the big picture overall. I mean. What is it that we were really trying to do here with this election this time around? I mean, what, what, were, you, what were you seeing with, with, with our folks, uh, with the goals and everything? Well, I mean, our main target being, of course, a new sheriff in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, we have other targets, of course, getting people down the ballot um, in office, but getting people energized and mobilized and excited around the campaign of Susan Hudson and building energy around getting someone new into that job, reforming our, our, our city's jail. And I think we received a lot of positive feedback so far from that that message and excited for our canvassers to be able to go out into communities this week and further on to be able to actually advocate for what we're trying to get done. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely building momentum. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's been a multi-year effort. 
Uh, Norris, I mean, it was four years ago that we dove into a municipal campaign with Voters Organized, and it was our first uh, go around with the Know Your Vote campaign. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, can you tell us a little about the four years ago election and the impact that, that Voters Organized had? Well, the four years, I, I, the biggest thing about the Know Your Vote campaign was that we done something that other people don't do. We educated the populace about what these elections were about, who was on the ballot, and how did they lined up with not just our values, but values for the community. And uh, it was uh, kind of like hotly contested election. Our candidate won, who, which is the current mayor now, Mayor Cantrell. And uh, so, no, I, I think we, our approach to it, True Voters Organized, is to educate folks. And, I mean, that's our name, Voters mm -hmm. Organized to Educate. And I think we did a pretty good job with educating people about the process, Mm -hmm. uh, more so than anything else. And so moving forward, we have kind of like to kind of like upped our game in the sense that we have uh, the voter guide on our website, instructions uh, about the election season, where to register, how to register, who's eligible to register, and uh, kind of like walk people through. And so this year, we have actually started interviewing candidates and uploading that information to the website. So for folks who don't have the time to do the research themselves, we're doing the research for them and putting it out there for them. Yeah, that, that's key. Uh, you know, and Devin's really been putting in a lot of this legwork uh, for us on behalf of everybody so we can really take a look at, at what people have to say uh, about this. And, you know, Devin... I just want to I want to say, like, what do you think is the difference between kind of like what we're putting together with our surveys and our forums and our videos, you know, that maybe some other people, uh, you know, might be missing when they're doing the similar some of the similar things around the city? Yeah, um, I would start with priorities of your nonprofit. I mean, we prioritize reaching out to our people, to our membership, reaching out to neighborhoods around this city. And actually getting people to understand those that are running for office, those that are vying to represent them. Um, we don't charge people mm -hmm. for our endorsements. We actually require candidates to give us answers, to take mm -hmm. a stand on different issues. Um, and where you decide to stand on those issues is how we determine if our people, our membership, our organization decides to go and back you. You can't just write a $500 check and... Say here, all right. We'll put your your name on our little little mailer. Um, it's an actual process. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a, a lot of people. I mean, when it comes to let's say in, environmental issues, for instance, I might have a friend or two where it's like, look, you're really tight with this issue. You know, a lot of people. You know, all of the ins and outs. You know, different companies, different areas of the country. You know, different laws that are afoot. And I might reach out to them and say, like, you know, where where should I be on this? I trust you. You know, and I think when it comes to prisons and jails and, and courtrooms and, and reentry and rehabilitation, these issues that we specialize in that, you know, many of us have decades of experience in, you know, folks are reaching out and saying like, you know, Norris, I don't know, like there's these two people running for judge, for instance, these, you know, or yeah, everyone's going to be a, a, a shyster on issue X. I want them to be solid on this issue. And so there's reach out and be like, who should I be voting for? So this is kind of like a full-on, like, organizational extension of, of that kind of research, correct? Correct, correct. Because I, I get that all the time. I, people text me like, hey, this is your wheelhouse 
uh, how y'all rolling, you know. And so we get the opportunity to really educate people about the decisions that we're making and what those decisions are made upon. Because uh, one of the things I, I, I've noticed through our, you know, kind of like doing the voters organized work is that nobody has really invested in educating the community. Nobody. I mean, that was a real tragic thing. So I think we have found our niche and uh, we have done it to the extent that people are reaching out to us because we reach out for information that we don't have uh, so we can educate ourselves so we can kind of like pay it forward, so we can further educate people about uh, who, what, where, when, and why of uh, these particular candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, we, we can just kind of get into it. We're talking about some different races in particular, and some some different folks. And you know, I, I think it's probably really important because I understand it's going to be budget time at City Council really soon. And so the folks that that were, you know, of course, the incumbent people will be the ones making the decisions right now. But this is the type of thing that every year uh, these City Council people. Uh, are are going to be looking over, and you know, when it comes to say the sheriff's budget, for instance, you know, that's a huge thing. They got to be asking the right questions. Right. Like, w- what is this line here? This is other income. Can mm-hmm. you please break that down? Or, you know, here's the commissary income. Like, how much money is the contract for? What are the other? You know, can we in house this? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the phone income? Or what is this security breakdown to? You know, and on and on. Like, okay, you're leasing how many vehicles for seven million dollars? Or you know, so if they're not asking the right questions, you know, then we have the wrong people in place because they really need to, to dig into that. But um, I noticed, so so we've got the about the candidates part on the website. Devin, the, the, it looks fantastic, I got to say. Every time I go there, it's just like tighter and tighter. <laughs> um, so I see we've got our we've got our endorsements. We've got our candidate spotlights, we've got our survey responses. We've got our roster. Uh, so let, let's just let's just start with the sheriff and kind of get that out of the way, okay? Um, Norris, I mean, we talked last week on, on this podcast about Susan. We had her on. We talked about the jail. You know, what do you think? Well, let's let's go for a minute. Let's just talk about Doctor Williams for a second, mm-hmm. right? So he's 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 got some uh, he's got some a little bit of momentum there. You know, maybe it looks like he's he's coming from a from a position of like. A little bit tough on crime, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe he's maybe he's a little bit to the right of, of Marlin, or on, in that way. I mean, what, what do you think are his sort of chances in in maybe making a runoff or something? Well, well I, I don't know. I mean, this city is kind of funny when it comes to that. Uh, he has, um, from what he's been saying, a law enforcement background, and I think given it, it, it can be a plus or minus, and I'm saying that primarily because. Given the, and I always tag it as a George Floyd summer, people look at this in a different light now. I think that kind of like peeled the onion and pulled the curtain back about how these systems actually operate. If you look at what's going on in this state around the state police, you know, folks are like, you know, appalled at this behavior. Look at what's going on in in Jefferson Parish right now with their sheriff's department. So people kind of like, you know, kind of jaded about folks touting their law enforcement experience because people starting to ask the question that, wait a minute, this went on on your watch. Mm -hmm. Why you didn't say something then? All of a sudden now you want to kind of like raise this flag. And so I think to the the folks who's going to kind of like lean in that direction, they're going to lean in that direction. 
folks who are looking for those alternatives, uh, it's probably going to look somewhere else, you know, because uh, some of the things he have spoken about, I kind of like listen. And sometimes I cringe when he say something because I'm like, ah, you, you, you're not getting the message, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of like hard to say turnout is going to play a significant role. But I think the, from what I've been gathering, uh, Intel, is that this is kind of like one of these elections that it's almost anybody but Marlon, you know. And so it, we don't know what the runoff would look like, who's going to be. But I, I, I was interested to say at the end of the day, this is uh, uh, from all the other candidates that's in the race. They're campaigning not against each other. They're campaigning against Marlon. So mm-hmm. I think this is one of these races where it's uh, anybody but Marlon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know one thing that that of course you know we got Quentin Brown who's who's running uh, for the umpteenth time, and you know we definitely support that in people that that want to you know say a few things about the system. Uh, but you know one interesting added candidate this year is Janet Hayes coming from as a mental health advocate, someone that that we've been knowing here in the city for some time, and uh, it's great to see somebody you know who's bringing some insights to the race who wants to really highlight an issue. And, you know, we could have more of that in different races, I think, in the, in the future. Right. And I think that's really helpful because Janet's, uh, you know, I don't know how this thing is going to shake out. But I think the, 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 the conversation that Janet has forced people to have around mental health uh, awareness is keen. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a sheriff who's saying, oh, if I get this new jail everybody's mental health is going to be fine. And so Janet is kind of like saying, oh, hell to the no, it don't go that way. Just mm-hmm. the, the building, the pretty building, isn't the solution to this problem. People need adequate care. And so her helping educate people about the necessity and the pitfalls of folks who are suffering from mental illnesses is really high. But it's like you say again, this needs to happen in every race. Folks need to bring those issues to the forefront because uh, for years, you know, the sheriff is saying, now, nah, if I get the new jail, all of the woes we're having mm-hmm. at the jail is going to go away. And so Janice is kind of like, you know, the poll opposite saying, time out, that ain't so. That ain't going to work that way. So having her voice in this conversation is uh, really advantageous to help further educate people about what is happening and what is the mental health crisis uh, that exists in this city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, definitely. I mean, we're fully expecting Susan Hudson to to make a runoff against Marlin, and and you know, I think we can expect that. But again, I think it's it's great to see a good race there. Uh, let's turn to another race that maybe is just kind of like a a ho hum in a sense. But Devin, you know, we got the mayor race. We've got you know fifty seven thousand different people running uh, again. We've got Nooney Man in the mix, uh, you know, trying to get his his record numbers up. Um, we got what, what a re- Republican, a no party. I mean, wh- what can you tell us about uh, Mayor Latoya Cantrell and, and kind of what she's looking at in, in that race? I'd start off by saying that the mayor, we can definitely say, probably has a clear shot of winning mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks, um, very comfortably on top of that. Um, but what I'd say that the large field of candidates is also more testament to is that people are just frustrated mm-hmm. that we're not just in a time in New Orleans, but around this entire country where people have been fed up with this status quo 
and this idea, especially post-COVID, post the economic crisis that we're still kind of wading through, of just returning to a normalcy and realizing that that normalcy is not what we actually need in this time. Um, the people who are presenting alternative messages, uh, I don't think have the exact adequate message for the crisis our people are facing. But it just goes to show that there is anger out there. There is a sentiment out there that our government needs to do better. Yeah, and it's not just about parades and stuff, but that's that's quite a lot of stress, right, about whether to have a potential super spreader event that's also key to, you know, the economic sustainability of this city. I mean, I have to cancel Jazz Fest twice. I mean, you know, I, I've, I have nothing but empathy for making that decision. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say what's the right or wrong decision. Right, right. And I think to the, to the, the mayor's credit, uh, she put people over profit. And I think that is going to probably carry her a long way because when folks were crying about this place can't open and that place can't open, and she was like, well, you know, I mean, we won't have nobody around to go to those places if we don't put some uh, uh, things in place. And so I think it was real helpful to me to see somebody step up and step away from just the normal uh, 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 mode of operation that we just got to keep the economic engine running. And uh, it was like, nope, time out. And I think when we, in hindsight, we look back and look at it because, you know, we was kind of like second to New York in uh, the amount of cases and the fatalities. And so mm-hmm. I am very appreciative that she took the stance that she did uh, when she did it because now we're kind of like seeing our way through this. Our city, uh, compared to the rest of the state, more folks in our city are completely uh, uh, vaxxed. Not everybody, but we're kind of like at the upper echelon. And my, my concern is just that I'm just wondering how about how do they govern people coming into the city from a, from yeah. near and far? How do we kind of like check them to see whether or not, uh, like I say again, to avoid a, a super spreader because it happened during Mardi Gras, yeah. you know? And so we definitely want to be careful around uh, what those things look like. And, you know, but, you know, it's the funniest thing about this is people are not complaining about whether or not we should have it. People complain about the route that they have to travel to have. It. <laughs> you know, it's like a year ago you was complaining about, oh, we can't have Mardi Gras. Now it's like you can have it with some exceptions. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, well, I need to be on my same route. Yeah. If you're parading, you're parading. I mean, if the street is messed up, then what? You're going to detour. So, you know, sometimes I think people kind of get it twisted in the sense of what's really important. I think that person's job and uh, is, is very important. And, you know, making decisions about not just our livelihoods, but about people's lives. And yeah. so I, I don't envy her for the position that she's in. But uh, I empathize with her for having to make hard decisions that all of us have to live with, you know, whether we want to or not. But when you look at the end of the day, that if one person's uh, life was saved because of some prohibition that was put in place, you know, I'm in favor of that 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my daughter's only got one dad, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure she's concerned about safety, yes. too. And, you know, you know, quick PSA, you know, go get vaxxed, people, if you're listening. I mean, there's people in this room, I feel like 
no one's got a healthier distrust of government than us. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny you mention that. It's not funny, but it's kind of great you mention that because, you know, for our folks, you know, folks who have been, you know, uh, in contact with the system, you know, a lot of our folks are former intravenous drug users. Some of them are still kind of like addicted to something. It's like we don't question what's in that bag mm. when we go and get it. And we're willing to shoot it, snort it, do whatever with it. So I'm like you, man. I, I try to encourage everybody I know, man, that some risks are far greater than a profit. You know, this isn't one of them. Yeah. This risk here is a lifesaver that will save your life. I mean, I've been completely vaxxed, and I'm just waiting for them to approve uh, starting the, the booster for, you know, the the, the Moderna, that which I had. So... I, I encourage other folks too, man. Come in, man. Just think about, you know, if you've been kind of like, and it's time to come in out of the rain, man, and stop listening at, you know, the hype around this, that, and the other. Because if you're swallowing anything that you don't know where it came from, I mean, Twinkies, uh, yeah, yeah, you got yeah, Chef yeah, Boyardee, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's so, chicken nuggets, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, every day there's a recall on something, and you yeah. got to wonder, oh, did I eat that or not? You know, yeah. so. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm like you, Bruce. I, I, I think uh, everybody's family is concerned about, especially their elders. Uh, and so I really would encourage everybody that I know uh, for certain, man, to go and get your vax, man. You mm-hmm. know, go and get your vax so we can be around. Uh, I want to be here to the last brick fall, you mm-hmm. know. I, I don't want to go early. I mean, I'm not knocking on nobody's door asking, so I'm taking every precaution there is. We're not given tomorrow. It's uh, not promised to none of us. But, you know, my philosophy is uh, I'm going to live each day as if I'm going to die tomorrow, but I'm going to prepare if I'm going to live forever. So if you have that kind of mindset, go and get the vax. Well, everybody, I'm just here to let you know that Norris always looks and sounds and, and better than all of us. So uh, he's doing great. <laughs> but, you know, back to the matter at hand. Uh, so let's get into the, the another race. Let's get into the at-large city council races. All right. So let's start with the at-large one. And this is just, you know, three people running. Uh, it's Helena Moreno's seat. She's running for re-election. Former state representative who we know well from her time up up in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, she does, just completed her first term on the council and faces uh, perennial candidate Kenneth Cutno. And we've endorsed Helena. Uh, you know, anything to add about that that race there, Devin? Uh, no, not really. I mean, do I not to, to disparage Kenneth Cutno in any way, shape or form, um, but I just don't see him as a serious challenger. Um, Helena has done a pretty solid job. And she'll probably also coast to re-election as well. Yeah. Now she's she's been good, and I feel like she's getting her, her feet wetter and wetter, you know, as we like to see. And and she's really gotten a rhythm uh, in this post-Ida uh, taking down energy scenario. But let's move over to at large two, which is an interesting race, uh, a little bit more contested, um, and you know maybe a little bit of drama here. But you know we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to um, we don't want to 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 go uh, sour on people's challenges and, you know, personal sufferings. Um, but we've got uh, basically J.P. Morrell against Kristen Palmer, uh, head up. In some ways, they're both kind of incumbents in that they're known commodities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we wish the best of Jared Brissett, but he's also in the, in the mix to, along with Bart Everson. Um, but it's pretty much J.P. against Kristen. 
Uh, you know, and and then the interesting thing, you know, Devin, tell us a little about the 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 dual combo go after JP move uh, that Jared and Kristen uh, tried. Yeah, um, definitely. Heart goes out to Jared. Hope that uh, that his family is doing well. That he is doing well and recovering in the way that he needs to. Um, but this idea of doing a dual endorsement of each other in a race that you're actively competing against your opponent is just kind of kind of crazy. It comes from a from a playbook of ranked choice voting mm. that you know if we had that type of system in this state it would be great mm-hmm. that uh, candidates could could team up and go around campaigning with each other on issues, but that's not what what they're what they're trying to do. They're teaming up with the sole purpose of trying to take down JP, which, um, and all honestly just comes off desperate. Mm. Yeah. So we had we had JP in the studio. Um, I'm not sure if 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 that was if that was a blown up hard drive situation or was it a blown up hard drive situation? Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Have your backup hard drives. Things will happen. You know, like it, it, nobody's perfect. But we had a great interview with JP Morrell <laughs> and had a brand new hard drive. But yeah. right now it's out, like uh, you know, under warranty. But we'll get it back, like after the election. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get that thing fixed <laughs> and recovered. But you know, I mean, but, but you know, Norris. I know we've talked about this a few times before, but you know, tell people a little bit about why why we're back in JP Morrell uh, because I feel like. Not everyone's really clear about the significance uh, that, that he's played in our movement. I, I think that that that's big because uh, I, I, again, people don't realize not just our movement, but what he have done for the betterment of this state. And uh, you know, we're talking about the non-unanimous jury verdicts. Mm-hmm. Here was a Jim Crow relic, um, hundred and thirty-five something years old, and nobody wanted to touch that with a ten-foot pole. And JP's mindset was the worst could happen is they say no. Yeah. And so he not only took it on, but, you know, like, you know, what a lot of people don't know in the legislature, a lot of people sponsor bills. And that's to the extent of it. But they mm-hmm. don't put in the legwork to prepare themselves for those committee hearings, to go toe-to-toe with people who are engaging with them. And he was willing to do that. And so he literally put everything on the line. I was surprised, to be quite honest. Not that he tried it. Right. I was surprised, like, how much effort he was putting in oh, yeah. with this, this you know, three sheets of the wind kind of like, I'm going for it all the way, mm-hmm. and let's see what happens. Right. It was almost like tugging on Superman cape, you know? And uh, so when we kind of, like, talked in the very beginning, it's like, hey, man, look, this is something that's wrong. We see it's wrong. Whether or not I'm able to convince my colleagues of how right or wrong it is, is going to be a challenge. But in that moment, I didn't sense no fear from him in the sense of, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, we have to call it what it is. And so when he took it on, uh, and, you know, for folks who don't know, you know, the political novices that, they don't do, we don't do ballot initiatives in Louisiana, you know, and to get something on the ballot it has to go to each body of the legislature, the House and the Senate. You have to get two-thirds out of each body from one body to get to the next. Mm-hmm. And then you got to have two-thirds of both bodies in order to get it on the ballot. And so he became this champion uh, trying to end Jim Crow's last stand here in the state of Louisiana. 
And, uh, you know, uh, if, if he never does another thing <laughs> in his life, I mean, he's done something monumental in the sense of not only peeling that onion back, but, I mean, chopping it all the way up so folks can see that this, this particular instrument of law was actually put in place to only uphold the sanctity of the white race. And when you just think about that and you wonder about what has happened over the last hundreds or so years around voting, around uh, 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 the criminal justice system, that this one instrument played a huge part in both of them. Because at that time, people of color, uh, there were like a hundred and some thousand registered voters. Now, we're talking about in the 1890s, which would, you know, in today's time, it would be like a million something people. But when they passed that constitutional amendment, those numbers dropped down to 10,000. Actually, Norris, I, I want to interject a little bit of nerdness here. So uh, in 1896 is when they passed the, the literacy test because they figured out it was right around that time it was about 50-50 black and white voters. Right. And so they're like, you know what? If we do this literary test, literacy test, we will disenfranchise about 30 percent of the white people, but about 75 percent of the black people. And so that's what they did. And then sure enough, that re- that gave this huge majority. And then they put it to the voters about whether they want to do a constitutional convention, which becomes self-enacting. Right. And so that white majority then brought the uh, the all white uh, delegates mm-hmm. who could then say, here we are, brothers, you know, here we are to to bring forth the the you know the the supremacy of the white race forever kind of thing mm-hmm. some you know third right kind of messaging and it's right there in the liner notes right so yeah. it's like i said again it wasn't it, it, that that choice for us was easy with supporting jp not that christian palmer hadn't done nothing on the local level but nobody had done anything to this magnitude that impacted our community mm-hmm. in the way that this piece of legislation actually done and even with getting and to show you how he was validated a year after we were able to move the campaign, get the constitutional amendment uh, 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 passed, that is signed by the governor, that the United States Supreme Court came back the very next year and said, oh, Louisiana, that's wrong what y'all have been doing. And so that's to kind of like validate that we were on the right path and had the right person leading it in a sense of helping to orchestrate this whole takedown of uh, Jim Crow. And that that's a, uh, a nice uh, example you bring up, too, is like, you know, people sometimes wait on the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court to, you know, to kind of up and down something or they think it's all, you know, all of our chips are in that bag. Therefore, the president is everything because they're going to appoint the Senate, all these types of things. And it's like, you know what? They're followers, too. That's right. Because they had about 30 petitions over over. over you know, hundred years. That's it. That's that it. they That's could it. have, they could have righted that ship. Suspiciously enough, it was, you know, just after we changed the constitution, and now they want to take on this issue, and then they want to say things about racism and problematic kind of stuff. Well, we made it easy. We yeah. made it easy for them. They to could say have that. said that a long time ago, right. but uh, and would have saved a lot of lives too. Yes, yes, yes. Because there's so many men and women that's actually some still laboring in prison mm-hmm. uh, because of those non-unanimous jury mm-hmm. verdicts. Yeah. So, you know, that work's not done. Exciting thing about JP, as we, you know, just talked about, is he's got the courage to go for it, mm-hmm. right? And he and he brings people together into a coalition. He's got that leadership quality. And, you know, from from his mouth, you know, this city council has a lot more power 
than they let on. They right. could and should be doing much more things around what the folks are dealing with, but you can't just go along to get along. And so, you know, hey, Kristen could have ran for, you know, run it back in, in, uh, in C if she wanted to. Uh, we're going to talk about that race in, in, a, in a minute. But, um, you know, instead she wanted to go for this at-large seat and, you know, and JP is here. So, you know, we're going to back him and, and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, hey, if, if Kristen pulls it out, well, we're going to work with her, too, because that's right. just the well, way we Well, we well you know, in the past, we supported her. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. we supported her in the race against uh, Nadine Ramsey. Yeah. So it's not like we haven't supported her work to, but it's about, and I tell people this all the time, it's about what, what you're doing to the betterment of our community. And so at that point, uh, we saw her as the better candidate. Uh, but at this point, we see JP as a better candidate uh, to carry on the work that uh, we need to see happen inside our community. Mm-hmm. Well, so so that's, that's uh, some at large. Let's move on to the letters. Okay, so first up is Z. No, first up is A. Right. A is for Apple. So uh, A is for District A, mo- mostly the, the uptown community, the, the Lakeview community, also Holly Grove. Devin, what do you want to tell us about A? We've got an incumbent here. What do we got? Yeah, we have Joe, uh, who's been there for what? One term? Two yeah, terms? One term. Yeah, one mm-hmm. term. Um, and there's a candidate, Bob Morell, who mm. is uh, running against him. Uh, he is from the left um, and has put out a pretty solid campaign. Um you had a great I, interview with him, too. Yeah, yeah. We actually brought him into the office, and we were able to sit down and get his opinion on some 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 uh, issues. And, I mean, yeah, he seems really kind-hearted. Like, he seems like he really understands the issues that Vote cares about. Um, though, unfortunately, he is also from a more conservative portion of our city. So I don't really see this election cycle, him being able to kind of come out on top. But hopefully the messaging that he's carrying forward, he's able to continue after the election yeah. as well. Well, and I think sometimes, too, it's kind of like Bruce always said, too, is sometimes somebody has to be the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. And I think because if folks just hear one side of the story, you know, they think that is it. And so when people come with other views, be they left of somebody or right of somebody, it kind of like raises people awareness that, oh, wait a minute, I didn't see it that way. And so, again, you know, that, that this, this is going to be an interesting race because, like you say initially, Devin, that uh, there's a lot of frustration around city government, uh, around special, you know, these climate events, kind of like get people up in arms. I mean, everybody in the city suffered from idle to the extent that they didn't have house damage, they didn't have power. And the city regulates that. Uh, and so I, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because I think a lot of people who in that district was impacted just like somebody from somewhere else. And so I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, all these races going to boil down to turnout. So it's just a, a sense of who's doing what and uh, what kind of outreach they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also Amy Misko running as a, a libertarian, I believe. Yeah, Amy Misko, and um didn't mean to to just kinda leave her out on there, but uh Amy is a is a is a, a interesting candidate that could probably galvanize some backing from the conservative bunch uh throughout District A. Um, though not to just discredit her as that, she is 
uh, also pro decriminalizing drugs. Um, she is also pro reforming our criminal justice system. So she does come from a, a interesting sphere within the libertarian uh, circles. But, um, yeah, I don't see her posing too much of a challenge in this yeah. election. Well, you know, people that know us know that, you know, definitely when we get to the to the, the levels outside of a, a heavily democratic city. I mean, we work with Republicans, Libertarians, Independents. Yep. doesn't matter. I mean, we're working on humanitarian issues, not just partisan issues. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's let's move over from A. And, and here's another interesting race, uh, you know, right where our office is located, where the jail is located, District B. We've got an incumbent, uh, Jay Banks, who's running. We had a, a, a forum the other day. Um, that was interesting. Devin, tell us a little bit about that forum. Yeah, um, so there are three candidates. Oh, actually, there are four candidates, uh, three that we've been engaging with. Um, unfortunately, Rella Zaplatol mm-hmm. was unable to make a form. I believe she was she was ill. Um, so definitely best of wishes out to her for that. Uh, but Jay and Leslie Harris both showed up. Mm-hmm. And what I com- commend Jay for is his commitment to, if he is reelected, actually standing by what he's saying, actually coming back to us and working with Vote and other organizations like Vote to be able to better understand his agenda and craft his agenda for better New Orleans. Yeah, he, he chairs that criminal justice committee, you know, where there's a lot of jail-related uh, issues, and, and we're hoping some more issues. Uh, we're trying to get a, a hearing on Jailbirds, the TV show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like like other folks, you know, stay there for four years, maybe get your feet wet, maybe be a, a stronger leader, you know, in the next four years. And and, you know, just going to work. We're going to work with him. We put our endorsement behind him. Uh, and, you know, and, and Leslie Harris seemed, seemed like she had her her political views in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leslie and and Rella are both solid candidates in my my view. Um, do I think that District B could do better? in the larger pool of people that are running, definitely. But neither of them are bad choices. And, and I mean, yeah, Jay Banks just has the the experience already in place, and we know that he already has an established relationship with us going forward. And he did say that he would hire a former incarcerated person that on did. that staff. Right. 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 And, I, and I think one of the things about that, too, is about, like I say again, this isn't, our city is in a place where, we don't need people riding bikes with training wheels. Yeah. You know, we need folks to be in there that have experience and know how to get stuff done. And so I think that's one of the things that if we, when you look at the, the whole landscape of the council, if every new person won, where would that put us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what's happening with, you know, I mean, term limits are a blessing and a curse. But when there's nobody who has the historical knowledge about how this shop works, you know, we're going to be SOL, you know. And so at some point, folks need to always think about, well, if this, this, this and this happens, then we almost like, hmm, who's on first? Hmm. You know, and I don't think we, the city's in the position now where we need to be having uh a, 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 a ship that's going down the river and there's no captain on it. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, you, you set us up quite nicely for our our next uh, our next race, uh, and we actually even have a, a guest that we're going to bring in. Uh, if, so District C is full of uh, some some new blood, as you're just talking about, and you know, and not everyone's going to 
you know, obviously Helena coming back should be council president, you know, Jay Banks, uh, Joe Giarusso, you know, there'll be some some stability there. You know, in E, we might have someone coming back. Uh, but but in C, obviously, we're, we're more than likely going to get a, a new person. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot of uh, a lot of work into trying to, to, to decipher these folks. But uh, before we get started, let's just bring in our, our special guest. We have uh, Alonzo Knox, who's running in District C. How are you doing, man? I'm from Change to Change. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I mean, as Norris was just talking about, the 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 area is pretty disparate, you know? I think, you know, every 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 district has its sense of different neighborhoods and such. You've got a whole river in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's yeah. it been like canvassing across the community? Well, it's been, first of all, it's been very uh, exciting. And I'm having the time of my life. Um, however, the outcome of this, uh, nothing will change uh, what I'm already doing and what I've always done. Um, the only thing that will change is that I have greater insight um, to more people. Uh, District C, as, as you all mentioned, is very diverse. Um, uh, if you're in Treme, of course, that's all about culture. It's all about uh, continuing the legacy of civil rights. It's all about uh, preserving uh, that heritage. If you move uh, to French Quarter, um, that's the uh, economic engine. Uh, when you go down to uh, Marigny, Bywater, you're in a whole nother uh, vibe uh, that's Burgeoning uh, uh, to be a, a new hippie kind of scene. That's when you I get my sushi every time. <laughs> yeah, Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong, right? <laughs> I, I, my daughter and I, we go for a walk to get something to eat. We're always yeah. going down towards Frenchman, Dat Dog, Royal Sushi is our main spot. There you go. So, yeah, and then you're going across the river and you got what? Houses, neighborhoods. You got houses, neighborhood, <laughs> Algiers Point, uh, Tall Timbers, Park Timbers, Aurora, mm-hmm. English Turn. You got the whole mix. Of, of what you can imagine a uh, suburban may look like, mm-hmm. um, although there is a southern uh, uh, urban kind of feel depending on where you are. You may ride to the cutoff and you may feel a little more urban when you go uh, to English Turn. That's a whole separate enclave in and of mm-hmm. itself. And so, man, I could tell you that people have their issues, people have their concerns depending on where you go. And navigating that in District C is a lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. And and while I'm doing it, um, it is one uh, that I, I take to heart in the fact that uh, we had this conversation, I think, the last time I was here. Um, the question was raised, and this has come to me. Uh, I can't tell you how often when I'm out there on the trail, should there be two representation, uh, two council people mm-hmm. representing this district? And I got in trouble, as I predicted <laughs> I would, uh, by answering that question. But I'm going to lean into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea. Mm. And uh, that may put me out of a job. Uh, mm. That may uh, uh, bring more arrows my way. But I don't think it's a bad notion to consider. Mm. And um, as a council person, if elected, that would be one uh, that I would entertain. Because I can't tell you how often uh, this question comes up, or not even a question, uh, the statement mm. um, in that uh, no one uh, can fully represent uh, this district effectively mm. for and, the reasons that we've talked and, about. And I think the, the the example you give that the arrows come in your direction is probably because the lack of knowledge that people may have about how big these councilmatic districts are. Yeah. You know, these council districts are better than, bigger than our legislative districts. Yeah. And it's kind of like the opposite. It should be the other way around. Absolutely. And so we shouldn't have one person trying to represent 70-plus thousand mm-hmm. people 
with varying, like you say again, uh, the diversity across those full mm-hmm. neighborhood that you mentioned, and even the smaller neighborhoods inside of them. Absolutely. And so I think uh, that's that's because of the lack of knowledge that people have about that. But it goes back again to our city charter. Yeah. Because I don't care how big or small our city gets, uh, we're still stuck with five council people. We get a million people in this city. We're stuck with. You know, five council mm-hmm. districts, meaning then that everybody's going to be representing 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. Now, people just need to kind of like really wrap their head around what that looks like. And so this may be the opportunity uh, for advanced thinking people to look at mm-hmm. we in this redistricting cycle right now mm-hmm. to actually look at this because as this city get its footing again, the population going to increase and with the increase of population in the city, all the councilmatic districts are going to grow. The lines going to have to be redrawn anyhow to accommodate mm-hmm. uh, that. And so I think one of the challenges is now, uh, and the lesson we learned from Katrina was that, you know, like E extends all the way into where D used to be mm-hmm. solo. And so it's what these things look like. So I think don't don't. Take it in the sense that the folks who are kind of like throwing their bricks and hiding their hand mm-hmm. is primarily because they probably have just a lack of knowledge about how these councilmatic districts are carved out, uh, what's your role and responsibility is going to be, and how many people that you actually are beholden to. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I will add to that that it's not so much even that. It is probably, in my humble opinion, more the fact that someone like me uh, – who is perceived to be like other people is speaking up and speaking out about this. Uh, I'm in this race because I feel passionate about uh, moving the city forward. I feel passionate about starting a conversation, uh, shaking things up, uh, engaging people, uh, not going alone to get along. And uh, too much of that, in in my view, um, has been going on. Uh, We have a council that's pretty much dormant, quiet on major issues. We have a mayor with a strong personality and, no one wants to push back against her. And so uh, when you have someone like me, uh, someone who is perceived to be a black leader, um, who epitomized black excellence, and when I go into forums uh, with people, or majority of people who look like me, and when I say to these people that um, I am a, a black leader, I, I embrace that, I, I love black excellence, I'm unapologetic about it. Uh, but what I say to some of my fellow uh, leaders is that um, for some time they've been complicit. Mm. And and I've said this before. Uh, there's too many black people in, in a city that is predominantly black that is living in shitty conditions. And who who is responsible for that? Of course, everyone has their individual responsibility. But if you're in a leadership position, you have a certain level of power that you can uh, yield and wield um, however effectively you can. And I don't think that's been done um, in a way, uh, considering that uh, this city has been led for the past 30 plus years by black leadership. And so I'm not casting blame. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong on that, because it it takes time when you have power and and, and things of that sort. But in any case, when you have that power, you shouldn't be afraid to have conversations about how you're going to use it. Mm. And so because uh, I'm not a politician, although I'm becoming one, uh, I'm learning that 
my manner of speak doesn't go over well with some people, but that doesn't uh, negate the fact that it's going to stop me from speaking my truth to power. So because I'm independent, because I have my businesses, because my wife and I um, are, are satisfied and because we don't belong to all of the social uh, cliques, but we do navigate them. Um, at the end of the night, we go back to our house uh, with no kids but a cocker spaniel who thinks he's one. <laughs> um, so, but when I challenge uh, my colleagues on, on these type of issues, the charter, and be open to the mindset that uh, a district like uh, District C or E uh, can benefit from uh, two council people, um, I'm not afraid to engage in that conversation. Alonzo, you, you, were, you were kind of talking about... Um you know, your background a little bit, having a business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know the people who usually get into politics with a few different traditional pathways. You know, some people, they come, they're lawyers, you know, maybe they were prosecutors, that kind of thing. Or some people are just like politicos from the get-go. Mm-hmm. They're like staffers, um, you know, and some people come from more the business community. What do you think that you can bring to this council? We got the budget season coming up, right? What do you think that you can bring with some of your business acumen to what we need uh, with, with some of the decisions being made? Let me put some things in context. I've worked around politics. I worked in Washington, D.C. for U.S. Senator John Bro. I worked in Baton Rouge at the state capitol for uh, then-state representative Sharon Weston Broom. And I've been in New Orleans as a city commissioner for six years on the Historic District Landmark Commission. And I've been active in my neighborhood as a past chairman for the Land Use Committee, as a past chair for the Economic Development Committee. I own uh, my uh, coffee shop. I own a small real estate company where I rehab blighted properties, put them back into commerce, all of which is located in District C. What I feel that I can bring to this council in particular is the mindset that – an average person, and I consider myself an average person who is in tune and connected with the average citizen, has a has a elevated presence to give voice to the issues that no one else is listening to, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be uh, from my small business background, whether it be from me being on the ground uh, in Treme where we're steep in culture and mm-hmm. uh, you have city government want to relocate into um, – uh, the municipal auditorium. Yeah, we went, and, on, went on about that uh, move. Armstrong, <laughs> uh, when you have uh, the lack of engagement um, wherever in the city, if it's in the French Quarter and you want to put a pedestrian mall, mm-hmm. if it's bike lanes on the West Bank and Algiers, where you don't have an engagement uh, with city and uh, people, you're going to have some chaos and disruption. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good thing. Mm. I think residents should push back. My issue is... Too often, residents like uh, residents that I see in Treme, to be honest, uh, like I see in Cutoff, like I see in uh, Old Algiers, Old Aurora, some of those people are not heard all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're not heard simply because they look like me, of color, or they have low income, or they don't have the same level of access that uh, some other people have. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's what I want to bring to this council. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not beholden to any political machine. I don't have an establishment of politicians lying behind me and saying he's our guy and therefore we shall all line up behind him without knowing anything mm-hmm. about me or having one or two minute conversation with me and now you want to endorse me. Uh, that's uh, kind of sickening to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that game. I've seen that show. 
And the funny thing about it is, and it's not funny, the average day person has seen it too, but they don't know what to call it. Mm. It is definitely a political game and gamesmanship. Um, and so uh, I get it. One person can't change that whole game. Uh, but I know how to play that game. Mm. And so when I speak up and speak out, I know I'm getting arrows thrown my way. But the good thing about it is I'm in a position where I don't have to rely on that. I'm in a position where I'm not in this race to get to the next race. It doesn't matter uh, if I lose, will I be able to have a, a, a quality of life? I have a good quality of life and I will continue to have one. Some people won't. And so, therefore, they become a puppet and a parrot to uh, a political machine. They don't have an original thought of their own. And so when you have all these people backing you, and there's a slew of people backing some of these candidates, and I don't understand why. I'm confused as to why Mm. some high-level people even get into uh, some of these races as early on as they do. Uh, And I say that rhetorically because I understand and I know, Mm -hmm. uh, but I find it nevertheless to be silly Mm. in in my humble opinion about it. So, uh, yeah, bringing another perspective to the council, to shake things up, uh, to be unintimidated and unafraid, um, not worried about being ostracized from a social circle because I can care less about that. Um, I think I may have said it in this uh, uh, setting or interview the last time. Maybe I didn't. I approach things and look through things through two lenses, and that is a lens of a 15-year-old girl, my mother, and the lens of an old lady who was a housemaid her entire life and who raised 12 kids on her own, and I became that 13 child. And when I look through those two lenses, that keeps me humble and that keeps me grounded and that keeps me rooted in everything that I do. And there's no doubt in my mind, and I embrace it and I'm proud of the fact that I am a success. But I know why I'm a success. And I'm a success because of those two ladies. And I'm a success because of the people who came before them. And I epitomize their dreams. So all this other bouginess that I see, I can navigate it. I go to it. It's all good. It has its place. But that's not Alonzo Knox, and that's where people get it twisted. Mm-hmm. When they come into back of town, they see how nice it looks, and they, oh, yeah, he, he's one of us. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, because you're not looking through the lens that I look at. I appreciate you and respect you for your success. Don't get me wrong, because I'm all about projecting that. I'm all about bringing other people along with that. But I'm not about, you know, selling people out, you know, just to further what I need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. You talk a lot about human character right there. You know, I think— um, you know, Norris, there's something that I think a lot of folks don't really know about those of us who've been locked up is like all you have is yourself. All you have mm-hmm. is your character. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's th- that scene in, in Trading Places, whatever, where they're in the lockup. And he's like, where's your in your limousines now? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like you, there's no jewelry. There's no guns. There's no ladies. Right. There's no anything. You're right. all wearing the same gear. And and it really like forces you to figure out who you are but also to assess other people. Yeah. Right? And surround yourself in a very dangerous pool of sharks. Yeah. With people you can trust. And so for us, I'll, you know, and I know Norris the same way, we got to size people up sometimes from a mile away. It's a gift of discernment, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and sitting down with you, you know, in person mm-hmm. and having that interview. And I, you know, I talked to you a couple times, yeah. right, personally, you know, and, but like that, that long drawn out interview with Norris and Norris, you said something about like the forum versus the interview, I think in context, yeah. somebody else. What are, you, what are you saying about forums? Well, the, the, the forum just kind of like the people have rehearsed their talking parts. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. they're getting kind of like, OK, you got a minute and a half to tell me something. I don't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. I just tell me you're, you're saying what you think I want to hear. 
the interview allows me, because you don't know what question I'm going to ask. Exactly. And then when I ask the question, I gives you an opportunity to really let me feel who you are. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, when I, and I tell everybody that's a part of our team is that one of the, I think, the greatest things I take away from that past experience of mine, and that it taught me to read people, mm-hmm. you know, because you wake up in an environment where there's 65 mixed up moods and attitudes, you got mm-hmm. to know how to navigate the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just in your immediate surroundings. But when you step outside of that, now there's 5,000 other people in that same yeah. environment. And so to get the opportunity to sit down and talk with people and listen, and that thing that's the thing that stuck with me about the lens, you know, that 15-year-old mm-hmm. and that domestic worker mm-hmm. that tells a lot about who you are about your fiver in a sense. And, you know, made that that's what made the decision for us kind of like really easy in a sense mm. that, okay, this guy's not in it because he's looking for fame and fortune. This guy's in it primarily because he wants to be this bridge mm-hmm. to that other 15-year-old and that other domestic worker to kind of like show them that this is possible. Absolutely. You know, this is possible, and this is what it needs to be. And so I, I, I'm excited by the fact, one, that you're here on a Sunday where, you know, a lot of <laughs> folks are kind of like getting ready for the next football yeah. game that's coming on, uh, but to come, you know, because yeah. you could be on the campaign trail, you know, trying to do some things. But like you said, again, it's like you don't, you're not caring to be the next politician. Right. You're, you're, you're campaigning to be our next elected official yeah. for, for District C. Yeah, and, and, and I want to make it clear that there shouldn't be any shame in a 15-year-old mother or a uh, 70-something domestic worker who's helping uh, that 15-year-old and raising her own kids. There shouldn't be any shame in that because out of that uh, comes someone like That's me. Right. And, and so uh, if nothing else, I want to use myself as an example, I'm just like everybody else. I'm, I'm no different. Um, I've had some success in my life. And, and again, I credit all of that back uh, to those individuals. Uh, I think uh, what people get sometimes mixed up is the fact that uh, you have to become something that you're not. And what I try to say is authenticity comes through no matter what. If you maintain it and 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 know who you are before you even get involved in anything else, so having a firm sense of knowing who I am makes it easier for me uh, to actually navigate uh, this process, and then it actually becomes humorous when I see certain reactions toward me. Uh, just yesterday, uh, some well-known politicians and established politicians, oh Alonso, that was a real passionate speech. You might want to pull back on it a little bit. And I'm like, pull it back. I haven't even gotten started yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, uh, it becomes, as I say, I'm having the best time of my life. Well, you and, know, and one thing you just said, too, and I, I think this really sad, though, uh, a sad commentary that folks think speaking the truth, mm. be it form against them, is bad. Yeah. Mm. You know, that people are afraid that, oh, folks don't need to hear that. Yeah. Why not? You know, why not? People have to, uh, uh, people can make decisions on their own. And I mm-hmm. think people are better prepared to make decisions when they have all of the information. You know? I totally agree. And, and the fact, uh, 
when I got in this, I got a team of people, and, and you alluded to this. Um, they teach you how to speak. They teach you how to sit. They teach you how to stand. They teach you how to not point your finger, and <laughs> you got to hold it like this, and you got to lean in, and you got to do all of this kind of stuff uh, to be a politician. And, oh, that's great. I, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I've worked around it. I know it. But for me, I suggested to my team, what if? we were to do something different mm-hmm. and just let it roll on out. That's what it. if I wasn't really relying upon uh, that particular endorsement? Because as you alluded to, uh, and this is just my estimate, I don't know it to be based in fact or not, but uh, once the establishment say who they're for, when you go in these forums, uh, nine times out of ten, you already know how they're going to come. So when I go in them, I just speak mm-hmm. however I want to. What I appreciate about this setting and, and the setting that you guys had with the interview was the fact that you don't have a canned response was the fact that, OK, I don't have to put a full policy statement within 10 to 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to ask me a question. I'm going to process it and I'm going to give my best opinion and idea about it based on my knowledge. And you then can make the determination. Do I have the intellectual capacity to think through mm-hmm. this and think out the box or am I someone who's scrambling for words to come up to appease all of you all? Yeah. And, you know, and that's what happens too often. No, and that was great because, you know, as Norris was kind of saying uh, in, the, in the beginning of the, of the segment, you know, we were just going to wait for the runoff for, for most of these these big ones. And we've, we've taken, you know, we've, we've been through a few different uh, elections, yeah. but, you know, we just couldn't get away from the fact that, you know, you really, we, we connected with you and we can understand oh, like where you're cool. coming from. Thank and so... <laughs> You know, you're going to, you know, hopefully you'll make it through. And, and part of that, we know, is a difficult job. And, you, you know, you don't owe us a thing except just yeah. to be a, a straight shooter. Uh, we've had to, to bail on people before, but, we, mm-hmm. but we've also, you know, helped people along the way and, and really, you know, been a resource for them. So I think it's it's really great for you to come in. I encourage everyone. Uh, I, I'm sure you're all all out and about everywhere. But yeah. just in case you're at the back of town <laughs> coffee, you know, they can – if you're there, you know, they, you'd walk up and say hi. And, and if people want to volunteer with the campaign, mm-hmm. how can they get a hold of you? Vote the number four Knox.com. Vote for Vote for Knox.com. And I want to conclude by saying I'm so grateful and appreciative of you guys' endorsement. And it is your type of endorsement for me that really matters because I already know uh, the establishment in other uh, type forums and settings. And I already know how that works. However, there are a few like you guys and and others, and I don't want to start calling names, but there are a few who are comprised of people who are regular people and not quote-unquote political insiders, although some of us are all insiders, but you all represent a constituent of people who just want to hear facts and truth and just want to be educated and have some insight to make an informed decision, not to vote because so-and-so, so-and-so vote mm-hmm. uh, or want me to vote for a certain kind of person. And so for that, I'm really appreciative and I have the most respect uh, for all of you all and all the type of organizations that do what you guys do. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I, I think one thing, because our uh, door hangers will be hitting the streets tomorrow uh, with your face on it. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, no. But one of the things that I, the reason I mentioned that is because uh, a lot of times when people get those uh, – door hangers and flyers and mm-hmm. stuff like that, what people don't know in most cases that people have paid somebody Absolutely. to put their picture on the ballot. We yeah. don't we don't rock like that. Yeah. If we believe in you, 
uh, we're going to kind of like roll with you. And so I, I think for folks who are starting to get all this political paraphernalia mm-hmm. in the mill, just ask yourself, mm-hmm. did they pay to yes. have their picture put on this ballot? Mm-hmm. Or do these folks actually support them because they believe in their position that they're taking on different issues? Yeah, and, and that's an excellent point. And, and Educating people is what you guys do, and I think the more you educate in the manner that you're doing, it's going to give more people insight. I don't go to churches, for example, and everyone says, Alonzo, you got to go to this church, you got to go to that church. I don't go to church because, one, I barely go to the church that I'm a member of, first and foremost, so I already know I'm not, and I'm just being quite honest. I'm a work in progress. My wife is praying for me, so everybody might be listening right now. You know, I'm just being real. So, why would I go to ABC Church on the West Bank when I've never been there, and I know I'm not gonna go back there, and I'm gonna give a donation to Pastor Joe, pay him five hundred dollars so he can say he endorsed me and put his name on my website. That's how this game is done, Norris. That's what you're alluding but, to. But you know what's funny about that? It, I mean, it's, it, it, it's humorous in the sense that, and this is a bigger thing. Because it's so much those bigger. Folks, like, especially with uh, the faith-based community, one, mm-hmm. it is really jeopardizing their status yes. in the sense of, you know, and I, don't, I think people have been doing this for so long, the way mm-hmm. they've been doing it, that they've kind of like forgotten what the the ground rules are, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, but again, you know, we're just blessed that folks who are in those congregations have a mind for themselves, mm-hmm. can think for themselves and do what they think is best for their neighborhood. Yes. You know, and so again, you know, we thank you for showing up and coming out. But, uh, you know, flip it back over to Bruce, you know? Yeah. Thank you. So, I mean, that, that, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and, and everybody in between. I mean, that's uh, District C. We got Alonzo Knox C. here in the studio. Uh, volunteer, uh, vote for Knox, number, number four, number forty-seven on the ballot, yes, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get moving on to some other races uh, in in just a minute. But Alonzo, yeah. thanks for coming through, man. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. Let me take this time to keep it real. Separate that shit they wanna hear from how I actually feel. Tell them high incarceration put a stop in the plans and how my circle fell apart once I got locked in the can. You said you love me. All right, now we're gonna we're, let's uh, let's move on over to District D, D, which is uh, my daughter's favorite uh, letter for some reason. But she just asked me to pick up some tiramisu for uh, for dessert tonight. So we all got stuff going on. District D, Devin, dangerous Devin. Tell us a little bit something about D. This was a pretty crowded field. Yeah, District D had quite a few people running in it. Um, what I say is that. Something interesting about District D is that it's not just a, a crowded field, but it's a field that actually has numerous candidates that have genuine visions yeah. for moving District D and the, the city at large forward. We obviously had to make a choice in this field of what it was 14 people. Mm. Um, but there are more than just the people that we endorse that are solid candidates. Yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, obviously, we're trying to work towards a place where you know, if four people running, all four of them are good. You know, maybe you endorse, maybe you don't. Maybe you got a preference. But uh, in the end, whomever wins is going to be a solid individual. And so we feel uh, that, you know, the D does have some some solid people. And we were going to wait for the runoff uh, because, you know, I, I think we started with a sense of like there was about five or six maybe that, 
that we thought were worth taking a peek into, yeah. uh, some that we knew a little bit, some that, that we wanted to get to know. Uh, but Norris, you know, after the interviews we did and everything, tell us tell us how we settled on, on where we settled. Well, well, well it was kind of like difficult, and really. Just give us the big reveal as well. Well, the, 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 <laughs> the big reveal is that we uh, are endorsing, we, and this is the first time we've done uh, dual endorsement. We're endorsing uh, Troy Glover and Kevin Griffin Clark. And it was primarily because we interviewed five out of the 14 people. And as we sit down and talk with the different people, we kind of like saw where their vision for that district alliance would a whole lot with what we're at, you know. And given, um, you know, some of these guys' background, their stories, you know, that it resonated with us to the extent that we didn't want to gamble with so many people being in a race and neither one of these individuals kind of like being pushed forward. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, let's not wait and say if I would have should have. Let's kind of like go and just push the envelope and see what happens. And so this is how we landed where we at. But we have uh, for folks to go and see, we have their interviews on our website. And so if folks are curious as to why, I mean, you can go to our website and see the actual interviews that we did with uh, both Troy and Kevin. Yeah, and the other folks we interviewed also. For sure, yeah. We got Courtney on there, Eugene. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that strikes me about the uh, those two those two young men, uh, Troy and Kevin, is they're very real. You know, they're very relatable. Just kind of, you know, the way Alonzo was talking. Um, but also, I mean, they have a really good sense of the root causes of our challenges that we face and wanting to fix those things, right? And so to kind of hike upstream and figure out what is this thing about poverty? What is this thing about oppression, this thing about affordable housing, you know, and education, you know, healthcare, and, and they really want to help our community get well because they've really seen all sides of, of the, the issue and all sides of the problem. And that, that was the thing that was, really, that was really impressive to me is that because they didn't know the questions that we were going to ask and how easily they flowed into what their solutions would look like. And we started kind of like looking at each other uh, during the interview, realizing that, oh, that has been the very same answer that we probably would have gave, mm-hmm. you know? And so it made it easier for us in the sense of, like you say, getting the realness about who these individuals are. And it's kind of like, you know, like we say all the time, you know, being experts by experience. And I think that ex- life experience that they will bring uh, to District D uh, in the event one of them win, uh, would be very, very helpful, you know? Yeah, and, and it's good to, to know that, uh, you know, we'll, if we can get one of them in through, you know, to have someone who we know is definitely accountable to the community, accountable to the public. They've been so involved with, with so many activities and, and, and people that we know who do the, the social justice and, you know, economic empowerment work that, that we need most more and more of. So to have directly impacted people who, who've been through the system rise up into a position where we can elect them to be a leader because they are leaders. Uh, I, I think that's a, a great narrative for us to continue traveling upon. And, uh, you know, maybe a sneak preview, Devin, is, is you want to start a little candidate school, I think, in the off season. Yeah. And we can really kind of, you know, hone some 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 skill sets of our people and, and maybe uh, who knows what in the next election. Yeah. And just to kind of quickly add um, with Knox, Troy and Kevin, 
Um, like we had said earlier, people are sick and tired of this status quo politicians coming through, offering the exact same answers every cycle around. Mm-hmm. You have, particularly in District D, a really interesting mix of candidates, ranging from the newest newcomer on the block mm-hmm. to politicians who have been in this game for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely with the candidates that we've chosen, I think it also amplifies that, yeah, there are more experienced, established politicians that are in this race, but they're not the answer that we need at this time. Yeah. And one, one thing, too, is that, you know, to kind of like that we, we're not the EEOC, but we tried to be as opportunity for everybody is that, you know, uh, the 10 folks who are actually, actually on our website, uh, it was four people who didn't respond to our survey. And so everybody was kind of like sent the survey. Some people say the survey was kind of lengthy, but we, we're not looking for canned answers. We're looking for, you know, uh, profound answers. Uh, what you're going to do? This is not like, although we live in a microwavable uh, society right now, we're looking for some old-fashioned answers about uh, how do we solve certain ills that exist in our community. So uh, given that, that this was, a, like I say again, man, 14 people trying to separate the wheat from the shaft uh, becomes challenging. And so these two individuals, I mean, it was three of them, too, because, uh, you know, uh, we, we all like Mariah. And so it was kind of like three people that kind of like really sit in our wheelhouse but at the end of the day, it was like, okay, these, uh, you know, folks who espouse the same values that uh, we actually have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with our decision that we made with D, and hopefully uh, moving forward, like Devin is saying now, is that it, 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 it kind of like encouraged other folks who want to offer themselves up uh, for service and realizing that they don't have to be connected to some type of machine uh, uh, to be a part, you know, of getting engaged. Because one of the things that I like about that, I don't like about it, but one of the things that comes out of the chaos that's been going on is order. Order in the sense that there's this newfound activism. After Katrina, man, folks start coming out the woodwork, the p- people who were barbers and just regular beauticians becoming activists. The same thing we're seeing now coming out of Ida, you know, because Everybody felt the brunt of what either done in this city. And folks are, you know, clamoring for change. And so I think this is the opportunity for us to be kind of like that bridge to help educate people and give them a sense of uh, where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, these exciting times right now for, I think, a lot of people. Democracy. D is for democracy. Um, and, you know, one thing I think that's great about about those two, two individuals, uh, Troy and Kevin, is, you know, I feel really comfortable. I know you guys do too, that, you know, assuming one of them makes a runoff, you know, if both of them make it, like, have at it, right? But if one of them makes a runoff, you know, we fully expect that, you know, the other one and, and people that voted for the other one will probably consolidate in behind the other. Uh, you know, maybe not everybody, but a lot of folks will, will back the other. And I think we're going to see a lot more unity in that situation than, than we usually mm-hmm. see when things go from the primary to the runoff. But, you know, so D is D is great. But, you know, another, you know, maybe in a lot of ways, perhaps the most interesting of races uh, might be E. Mm-hmm. And so, E, you know, we we backed Cindy Wynn four years ago. Uh, she was up against an incumbent who supported the jail. And, you know, we gave her a shot. Mixed reviews. Uh, not all great. And, you know, and then we've got an old uh, an old friend coming back here. Everyone knows 
OT Oliver Thomas. We brought him into the into the, the office and had an interview with him. And, you know, maybe true to the course, we ask the tough questions. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people tune into to our forums or our surveys, whatever, to understand, like, what are the what are the questions that these guys want to know? Not just mm-hmm. where you went to high school or something or whether you love your mom. Right. But like. What's up with jailbirds? Right. You went right after right. you went right, right after right. that well, question well, with OT, I was man. Just finish saying, right after mm-hmm. the niceties, the hello, how you doing? How you made out doing Ida? The next thing was what was your involvement in Ida? I mean in the jailbirds. And so that's something that uh, was concerning to us. And so we asked those questions. One of the things about it is that our candidate forum for District E is uh, what, this week coming in, mm. uh, is Sturgeon. So we'll get a chance to not just us who was in the room having this one-on-one conversation, but for the community to also kind of like hear the responses to these things that are questioned before. The other thing, again, like you say, we, four years ago, we um, went with Cindy Wynn and uh, she was able to get in office and so it's now... We're just trying to see whether or not do we uh, do we change horses in the middle of the stream or do we ride this horse to uh, back to the bond, you know? Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we can get some more information uh, from this candidate forum to shine some more light on what things are near and dear to us, what's going on in the council, what's the plan for District E, uh, not just because uh, uh, people are talking about crime and stuff like that, but what's going to be the economic driver out in E, what's going to be the housing situation there, uh, access to all those things, jobs, employment for uh, former incarcerated people, the, and, and the likes. And so mm-hmm. uh, we should have a real robust uh, conversation uh, Thursday evening at our at our place and uh, get some answers from these folks, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, maybe Entergy can hire up some actors to to do economic uh, <laughs> stimulus out in E or something. Mm. Um, for those that don't know, just a little little shout out to a public hearing uh, where Entergy wanted to build a, a a new power plant that was funded by all of us, and they paid for actors to be supporters. Uh, you know, as, as opposed to to us who. You've been doing this work, you know, through through the snow up, uphill both ways, you know, blood, sweat and tears. Sometimes there's money behind it. Sometimes there ain't. But, you know, a lot of folks come out to these hearings with the passion and, and the fact that some you know billion dollar company is just going to like hire things up and and try to dictate, you know, which way this democracy goes. I think it kind of goes a little bit to what Alonzo was talking about, how, you know, the, the, the system can just be the system sometimes and we need to desystematize it and, and and show it a little something else uh but let's let, so let, e is interesting and and you know we're gonna hopefully people will tune in Devin, where can people watch uh, the the forum uh yeah you can tune in on our website votersorganized.org where it's going to be carried live you can also tune in on our youtube facebook and instagram channels where it will also be being streamed and it'll live there after the fact, right? Yep. Yeah, it'll, cool. Yeah. All right. And so that speaking of forums, uh, we just had a really exciting forum. Probably one of the one of the best forums because, you know, kinda as as you're talking about Norris, sometimes it can be a little bit canned and all that. But we had a clerk of court forum and uh, I don't know. Devin, were you expecting what went down in that forum? Tell us a little bit about it. We had three candidates, right? Yeah, we had three candidates who came out. Uh, Darren Lombard, Austin Baton, and Patricia Boyd Robinson. Um the exchange was started off nice enough. Um, what was interesting was just to I guess to, just to be to be frank, 
Austin's a approach to engaging with community members is just very fascinating that your premise as a politician is I'm meant to present myself as this polished, made up figure who can't sully my my my, my fingers by caring by defending the record that I've already laid down. Mm-hmm. Um, he interpreted facts of his record as personal attacks, which is always kind of one of those like red flags yeah. um, amongst politicians where it's like, OK, so you've clearly done shady stuff in the past right. and you're clearly very much personally tied to people attacking you for it. Yeah, and Darren um, Lombard was bringing up some some actual thing. It'd be like you, know, you go to the parole board, and they're like, "All right, what happened that night? Are you, you gonna like duck and weave and and, right, and bob right, and you right. know you're gonna say, you got to right. say what happened that night, right? And and this guy, you know, or, you know, he's being asked by a candidate about some very and you know, in the moderators, Keisha's bringing mm-hmm. up some stuff, and um, you know, and, and he just did some classic evasion moves. Yeah, and I, and I think it goes back to what Devin was saying again too, is that your record speaks for itself, and so when you're questioned about it, it's 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 easy. So, you know, like the old folks say, you know, if you throw a brick into a crowd, it's going to hit somebody, you know. And, uh, you know, when the, the question, I think one of the questions was striking that uh, Darren uh, uh, aligned him. When he, well, he opened the door for this. He opened the door when he said that he has got support from both sides of the aisle. And so when Darren raised the question about his support around Bobby Jindo, his support about Jindo's refusal to accept um, Obamacare yeah. money uh, for the state, uh, he became really defensive. Then as it proceeded, uh, he kept talking about that. And then when the question came up about voting rights, uh, it was learned then that the Republican Party had been sending out text messages to folks, I guess, in their wheelhouse or whatever. Yeah, people in the uh, very room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, in the very room, asking, uh, stating that the reason they were endorsing uh, Austin Baton was because he was going to hold the line uh, around voting, you know? And it's kind of like me. My, my first thing was a kind of like chilling effect because my first thought was what happened in Georgia, what happened in Florida, and I'm like sitting across the room looking at these guys, and I'm like, he became defensive the whole way. And so he kind of like just start, oh, this guy, for lack of saying anything to say, he attacking me. But I think what was happening was Darren was putting information out into the universe that probably a whole bunch of people didn't have, you know? Yeah. And I was appreciative of it myself. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, so a lot of folks, you know, maybe aren't really thinking about the importance of the clerk of court. Um, but those of us that do election work, uh, those of us that do you know, criminal criminal cases, appeals. Uh, you might be locked up. You might be trying to get a review of your case. Uh, that that clerk of court is huge, trying to get juries. And so considering that there has been changes in the law that, that we've created uh, around people's voting rights, people who are, you know, on probation or parole or finish their sentence, uh, around people serving on, on juries who have a felony conviction and expanding that jury pool. I mean, these were real tangible issues that we wanted to get into you know, and Darren Lombard was just very, very straight up and, you know, and, and thinking in the productively solutions based. And he understood, you know, the, the issues that we're trying to solve. So that was really refreshing to hear. Well, well one of the things, too, that really was was, was striking, I think one of the questions uh, was directed at Austin 
because all of the the talks I've seen him give and even some of the free press he's been getting because of uh, evictions, uh, he passed himself on as this people person. And uh, so when the question came that why you want to change jobs, if you're this people person, mm. you're so altruistic about people staying in your house, just stay where you're at. And he's like, well, I've been having my sights on this job for yeah. a, a thousand years, and I didn't run the last time because I didn't want to run against uh, Mr. Morrell. But if I got my sights on something, I don't care who got their hands on it. Mm-hmm. If I got my sights on it, I'm going to go for it. And so it kind of like it's like you're kind of like streamlining when you decide to do certain things, not because you don't want to run. You've decided to run, but you're going to pick and choose who you want to run against. And so that was kind of like something that kind of like turned me off. You know, it's almost like, you know, little kids in the sand lot, you know, you want to play one-on-one basketball, but you want to choose who you want to play against. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what it kind of like boiled down to me. Oh, you figure you got a weak field of candidates, so I'm going to run now uh, to kind of like up my chances of winning when you refuse to run against an incumbent. So, you know, that ain't showing to me uh, a commitment to want to run for that office and really and truly whether or not you on your own uh, accord, uh, decide to run for this office or somebody just kind of like post-pop you up and say, hey, you need to run for this spot. Because you haven't been in the office that he's in for two years. And I think as a suggestion, I think one of the things that we should work on uh, moving forward as an organization that because it's not fair to the person who signs up to run for office that you don't have nothing to lose. If you lose, you still win because you got a job. Mm-hmm. Everybody else got to either take a leave of Afrin from their work or if they're in a position that conflicts, got to give up their job. And so I think one thing we need to look at that anybody that's running for an office that you already elected efficient, you got to give up that office in order to mm-hmm. run. And I think it'll make some people really think about giving that up because I've seen people who what judges, and most of the time your incumbent judge is almost like that becomes a lifetime judge, very seldom. If you ever lose, it happens, but rarely. Uh, but I've seen people give up judgeships to run for an office and then lose, and then they kind of like just SOL right now. Yeah, you Desiree know? Charbonnet ran for right, mayor. Right. Uh, Kiva Landrum ran, right, ran right, for DA. Right. And gave up judgeships uh, to run for a position that when they lost, uh, was nothing there, but you know when you're running, uh, and you got a comfortable seat you're sitting in, mm-hmm. you know you don't you, you ain't really got no real skin in the game. Yeah, I, you, you know, know I, you, you brought you're up playing conflicts. with house money. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing that that we should be pushing, uh, you know, when the dust settles too, is some really clear ordinance. You know, and if it doesn't exist already, it, it needs to be. You know, it should be existing, which is like you can't take campaign donations. From anybody, or actually, you can take the donations, but whoever gives you those donations can't get a contract right. based on something that you're in charge of. Exactly, exactly. You know, because probably at least halfway through your term, or uh, until your term is complete. Because you know, well, like I say again, uh, folks endorse people because they want this person to be on the land use committee or some other committee. Uh, so I think that would be helpful, too, in the sense that it takes away from, you know, like folks always talking about the graph and mismanagement in this city. 
well, you can help alleviate that because, you know, it's like if you in Congress, you know, you can't lobby Congress uh, for five years. Mm -hmm. You know, so an ordinance to that effect that if you are a heavy contributor uh, based upon dollar amount or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, that you cannot benefit from this person actually being yeah because you know you you give somebody a five thousand dollar donation and then like magically you know two years later that person's got a a four million dollar contract and sometimes no bid contract i mean that that stuff's got to go and you know that's what we're we're fighting for here we got just a a couple other things uh that are on the ballot though that that we didn't prioritize but we do have the uh the assessor correct um and we have uh, some amendments too we got four amendments and we know that uh, some of our our comrades are are going for no on one and two, correct, Devin? You want to share a little something about those amendments? Yeah, um, I don't have exactly too much information of mm-hmm. the the text of them, though the the Power Coalition, who is one of our partner groups, mm-hmm. has done quite a consistent job of digging through which each one of these amendments uh, mean for us, and have taken sides on one and two. Um, yeah, I know one is basically. You know, rather than paying your state tax to the state and your local tax to your local, right, they're going to say just pay it to one spot and then the state's going to have control over it. Right. And a lot of people are pointing out like, hey, you know what, that may be convenient for some people filing, but at the same time, we're so used to getting our money like taken from us because, right. oh, here's this big pool of money. Well, let's give them 75% of that money back. And so there's just not a lot of faith that 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 we're definitely going to get it back. So it's pretty smart, I think. So you know, you want it, you want it like locked in that 100 percent of that money comes back around. We'll write it that way. Right. Yeah, and um, each of the amendments primarily focus around taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have up on our website, VotersOrganized.org, um, more detailed explanations of each one of them, as well as our personal takes on how you mm-hmm. should vote for them. Yeah. And, you know, this stuff takes a while to really, you know, to come to some really solid conclusions for people. So, you know, props to everybody who's who's been part of getting all the information together and and making some some researched, well-informed decisions. Um, And, you know, everybody that 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 plays a hand includes even people like when Keisha got everyone on the record uh, at that clerk of court forum about, you know, do you think that the clerk of court is public safety money? Like, would you go after the, the sheriff's jail money? Right. right. He wants to expand the jail. We magically have, you know, twenty one million dollars on top of the FEMA money. But people don't even know you look in the sheriff's budget and they're sitting on a few million dollars of the clerk of court. Yes. yes. That's supposed right. to be distributed from from the, they, they collect all the money from the from the millage. Right. And then they got to dole it out and they haven't doled it all out like. You, meanwhile, you need a computer system that's only a couple hundred thousand dollars, yeah, right. and they're sitting on like two million dollars of your money, and nobody seems to know anything about it. Right, right. So I think a lot of things. I think again is the educational part behind it, and I think people will appreciate uh, the energy and the effort that we're putting in trying to, uh, you know, shine some light on this stuff. You know, I think mm-hmm. one of the real tragic things about. Uh, this city more than anything else is that we don't have the investigative reporters mm. that a lot of these other municipalities have that will really shine light on a lot of the stuff uh, that uh, in some cases are real nefarious, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, again, coming out of this election cycle, if, uh, you know, the the, the, the pendulum swings, uh, whichever way it's going to swing, 
that we come out in a better position that we're going in. And hopefully uh, this next cycle, it's just sad to say that every, it seems like every, every season we have an election, you know. Uh, so by the spring elections that, uh, well, at least we'll see us making some type of uh, progress. Yeah, I think we might have a little bit of a breather next year. You know, we got Baton Rouge and Lafayette work that we, we weigh yeah. in so much on. You know, obviously the statewide work. Uh, it'd be nice to get like like one one sort of like fall uh, that that maybe we can go enjoy Thanksgiving or something yes. like that. <laughs> Devin, what what else? Anything? Any uh, any final things we need to think about with this election? Uh, yeah, just to also elevate the the elections taking place outside of our city. Mm-hmm. Um, they have. Oh, we forgot about 102 as well. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but before we talk about District 102, um, you got State Senate uh, 27 mm-hmm. um, that Dustin Granger is going to be running in. You have State Rep 16, uh, as well as 102, like we just said, as well as two judgeships that are going to mm-hmm. be on the ballot in the, the Baton Rouge area. Mm-hmm. And on 102, there's, there's two uh, two candidates. You know, we've been working hard to try to get their surveys and some interviews. Uh, should people expect that on the site? Uh, maybe this week? Uh, yeah, so 102 has Delisha Boyd and Jordan Bridges, who are both running uh, over in Algiers. And we're going to be putting up our interview content with them this upcoming week, as well as sharing their survey responses. Uh, so, yeah, tune in and you'll be able to check those out. All right. Well, that's, that's exciting news. Uh, Again, October 30th is the first day of early voting. Uh, also happens to be, what, the day before, the, wait, is it third? The eve, yeah, the, the eve of Halloween. Wait, I thought that was Sunday. No, Halloween is Sunday, the 31st. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's a Saturday. I was thinking about there's like a football game on yeah, the 30th. That's Sunday. No, that's yeah, Sunday. Yeah. That's Sunday. That's, oh, I that's thought that. Was, <laughs> oh, that's going to be Sunday. All right. Well, I'm going to a Pelicans game on Saturday night, yeah. I guess. I thought yeah. it was like right after the. the no, no. I'm all messed up my calendar. Because yeah. you got Halloween, you got football, and you got elections. They're all converging. Yeah. It's like Three River Stadium all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you tied that in. <laughs> but go Steelers. Yeah. Uh, you know, go Saints as well. I think go Niners. There you go, buddy. Sorry, we're going to take some hate mail for that. But people should, you know, hit us up. What do you need to know about the system? Obviously, you know, we got an election here in New Orleans right in front of us. But that's not all we do. That's not all that you're going to hear here on From Change to Change. We've got um, it's too much to share. But right now, we want you to go vote and go to votersorganized.org to find out more information. Contact us. Tell us the shows you want. Shout out to Mike. I'm DJ Bruja. We're From Change to Change. We're out. We need each other. Wake up, everybody. Well, you see, we need. Wake up, everybody. We Come need. On, yeah. Wake up, yeah.